let's have a conversation of what is Hispanic Heritage Month um, and how do you feel about it? Oh, it's like, it's made me so cynical, you know, I, I think, I think it's, and that cynicism comes from two different reasons. One is like, I think that like I exist between, you know, October 15th <laughs> and September 14th, right? And the second one is that it's it's so clear that a lot of these campaigns are so poorly thought out and executed mm -hmm. that it's yeah. just like, I would have preferred it if you called me a racial slur at this point, you know? I mean, obviously I'm being True. exaggerated, but you know, it, it has it has the effect of like, oh, you just want my money, you know? You, know yeah. you don't really see my brownness, you see the green in my pocket, basically. Yeah. So that's sort of my, my broader overview. You're listening to Nidaki, a podcast by the Marketing Jersey. All right, episode three of Nidaki Podcasts with Janely Farias. I am Wiso Vasquez, and if you're listening, you probably already listened to at least one of the episodes, or at least the intro, and you said, "Hey." All right, I'm going to give it another listen. So, uh, Janelli, um, this is it. it. It's out there now. This isn't just recorded video calls that we have of guests that we might pull out, but <laughs> in the year in the making, now we're committed. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. Yeah, thank you to everyone that has been listening to us. It means a lot to us. And hopefully, um, as the days go by, more and more people join us. And I'm super excited that this is finally out. I think it's so important because Miraki offers a platform for our people, for people to be seen, for our people to have a voice, for our stories to be told so that our people have adequate representation. And I just want to throw that out there again, just remind people like this, this podcast is, it's for you. It's not just for us. It's for all of those people that um, need to be seen and need to be heard. Yes. Yes. And um, a lot of people are asking, or, you know, when are the episodes going to come out? We're going to try to get throw them out every two weeks right so we've already recorded some of the episodes in fact some of the guests have already been there and they're like hey so uh when are you, you going to feature me and i'm like hold on a second all right <laughs> i have an order of this and anyway uh but uh yeah we're having a lot of fun with this and we're learning a lot so thank you thank you again so uh today let's just jump right into this episode not waste any time uh we have another guest sometimes we'll have guests on our show uh and it looks like the first few podcasts we do have some guests this first episode, um, but I'm really excited about this one because today we bring in uh, to the Nidia King, give him a warm welcome to Fidel Martinez. He is an audience engagement editor at the Los Angeles Times and writes the Latinx Files newsletter, an amazing newsletter. Previously has worked with uh, as the politics editors for Me Too, as a social storytelling producer for Fusion Media Group and content curator and managing editor for Break Media. He's also, this is from his bio, by the way, so this is, this is true. He's also a proud Tejano and will fight anyone who disparages flour tortillas. And right away, we have some problems with this, uh, Janelli, because uh, if there's somebody that hates flour tortillas, it's Janelli. Fidel, how are you? <laughs> Oh man, I'm I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me. But uh, it's so unfortunate to hear about your stance on flour tortillas. But you know, <laughs> well, let, let me tell you. No. Okay, flour but don't get too mad. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not gonna be mad about it, but I will have to defend myself here. Flour tortillas are delicious. They are so delicious. I I agree with you on there, but I just don't consume flour anymore. Wheat flour to be specific Have you so seen and i do miss them sometimes yeah. so i i get you i get you there's anyway, a reason you. i mean uh, thank you for, I, thought, for I thought this was one of those today. i thought this was one of those you know like corn or nothing or corner bus situations <laughs> no. but if, it's, if it if, if it pertains to dietary restrictions then it's just know, a health decision yeah health exactly decision. right so yeah See, this is what I do. I'm like the Jerry Springer. Well, all right, let's just start with some uh, drama here. People who hate this. No, 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 no. Um, <clears throat> let's just be honest. Janelle has a six pack. So <laughs> it's, it's, I have a snack pack. So we should be, uh, you know, that, that's that's the difference of the flower tortilla. All right. Uh, Fidel, we always ask our first guest and already having a lot of fun um, before we have talking to the serious talk. We get serious in this podcast. We always ask, uh, what's your favorite part about being Latinx, Hispanic, 
whatever. What is your favorite part about it? You know, I, I'd say my favorite part about it is how adaptable it's made me. Okay. You know, I feel like I grew up in, in South Texas in the Rio Grande Valley and McAllen, you know, well, in Hidalgo, Texas. I say McAllen because it's the bigger city, but really it's Hidalgo. But my point being is growing up in the border, you sort of adapt to your environment, you know, and I feel like that has really served me well when in places like the East Coast where I went to school and in places that have been non, non-Latino, non-Latinx, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like that adaptability is something that makes me really happy of my heritage and my culture. Wow. It's so funny because when I, when I first wanted to have like a production, I'm like, you know, I want to ask every guest what is, why they like being Latino, Latina. Um, at first I'm like, well, everyone's going to say music and we party and you know, it's, we're, we're, we're loud, but all these answers, it's always something so, so new. So thank you. Thank you for that. Cause yeah, it's you know, the adaptability is, 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 it teaches you of, of where you're at in your environment too. So, um, all right. Latinx files. This is why I wanted to get you on here um, and talk about this. Um, for those who don't know, Fidel has an amazing, amazing newsletter, um, which uh, we are going to plug a lot through this episode. If you're not have not subscribed, this is your first warning to subscribe. Please subscribe to the newsletter um, because there's so many cool stories. And Fidel, I'll let you talk about it. What is the Latinx files? Um, obviously, it's it, you work with the, uh, in the LA Times. And we get these awesome stories about Latinx, uh, the Latinx community. But give us a little bit about, um, you know, why and, uh, yeah, what, why do you do it? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so the Latinx Files newsletter is basically a free weekly newsletter that goes out every Thursday morning. And the topic is anything that pertains to the Latinx experience, you know, which is kind of broad, right? Because yeah. it, 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 so... It really is about anything and everything, you know. Um, it first came about, uh, I had been working for the Los Angeles Times for about two, two, three years at this point. And I was originally working with a sports desk, you know, I was in charge of their social media strategy and presence. Um, but prior to joining the Times, much of my professional work has been in Latino or Latinx media, you know, prior to here, it was at Me Too, and then before that was at Fusion. And then even before that, I started, I, my professional career started at this, you know, Gawker-like blog called Wannabe, which is so old that it no longer exists. Like you can't even really find it online, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but so for me, it's always been, you know, professional interest and priority to basically tell our stories because, I mean, working in media, the narratives that get told about us are very, have been historically reductive and kind of racist right so you know that 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 was sort of the reason why i wanted to do this newsletter and honestly like i wanted it to be a newsletter because it's digital it's a digital product you know it's not occupying space in the actual newspaper although it has in the past uh for example the most recent case was we did a tribute to juan gabriel to mark the five-year anniversary of his passing and that newsletter was adapted for the Prince, you know, edition, which was really, really flattering. And it was really great to see. We com- we had commissioned our artwork originally, our artwork from like uh, Latinx, you know, artist, And that artwork ended up, ended up in the paper, which was always really great. So uh, long story short, I just, I don't know. I mean, it's, I also live in Los Angeles where it's one in two people are Latinx, <laughs> you know, and yet... I mean, our coverage is historically, like I said, I mean, look, the LA Times, it's, it's, it's not controversial to say that the Los Angeles Times have, has played a role in vilifying Mexicans and Mexican-Americans. You know, the, the, Latin, the, the LA Times played an instrumental role in, you know, stoking anger and fear yeah. during like the Zoot Suit riots, yeah. you know? So now, and like it, the advantage of, writing this newsletter is that we got to tell our own stories in this platform that historically vilified us. And yeah. there's something perversely satisfying of that to me. <laughs> yeah. Especially um, because, you know, it's not like, I mean, in, in normal, and I would say normal news desk, you have a story, you have an idea, you give it to your editor, your editor looks up. Okay, cool. And maybe somebody from up above says, okay, yeah, that runs with what our what we want to do in, you know, in this function of this newspaper or this magazine or this website, I'll okay it. 
But uh, what I'm seeing is that it's you, your editor, and that's it. It's closed. Like none of the people above can tell you, no, don't run that story. Or how much freedom do you have? No, I'd say to, to the credit of, of my bosses, um, I have pretty much like a lot of freedom and, and leeway to write about whatever I'd like to write yeah. about, right? I mean, there, there have been some circumstances in which, you know, some managers have asked to read what I write, but not never have been like, oh, you can write about that. You know? yeah. For example, the, the hot sheet of the Flaming Hot Cheetos story <laughs> was uh one which caused a lot of controversy because well for for ones so having worked in a place like me too like i understand how important hot cheetos are to like to like as a stand-in for for mexican or latinx culture right especially in memes right that's usually the way in which a lot of like people express their latinidad online right through memes right i mean mm -hmm. we've seen it with the hispanic heritage month you know, happy Hispanic, happy Hispanic Heritage Month mean tweets, right? Yep. But so, so that story created a lot of backlash because it was seen as an institution coming after someone that's been perceived as a Latino hero, right? And but it didn't change the fact that neither Frito Lay nor uh, the man insisted, like they never sent us like a demand for correction, right? Got so, it. But it doesn't really matter because it, it was seen as coming for the for the Latinx community, right? So I wrote about that whole that whole like sort of a controversy that arose, and and you know I did I did sort of point out my employers like, well, there's here's here's why people are mad, you know, and you can't really blame them, you know. But that was seen by my editor and someone else, but it wasn't like nothing really was changed for it, so. Wow. Yeah. And it was a great, I thought it was a great story. I mean, for those of you who don't know, again, subscribe and look at that, look for that story because it was uh, definitely controversial. It's uh, no, it wasn't him who, who thought about Cheetos. It was uh, actually somebody else. And uh, in that whole hot Cheeto story, um, Latin X Fidel, uh, our first episode was all about the term Latin X and uh, that your very first story or i would say you, when you wrote is coming to terms of the term latinx um Yanele and i started recording uh and we quickly realized that there's just so many different ways that people identify themselves and saying hispanic didn't feel right latino sometimes it didn't feel right um chicano and all this others but you know to you and your experience I'm pretty sure you've you've gotten some uh, what every time you you put Latinx maybe on your on your Twitter. I know Janelli and myself. It's like it's not Latinx. No one's using that, you know. And it's that ever on. Uh, we traded some messages back and forth where it's it it just really bothers people. And we don't have to have a huge conversation for it, but it was important for you in your first uh, newsletter to say why I'm using Latinx. Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, as you mentioned, my, the first newsletter that I wrote, I mean, it is called the Latinx Files. And, and when I picked that name, I knew that it was going to rub people the wrong way. I, I knew going in that it was going to be a term that would be a non-starter for a lot of people. But at the same time, I also feel that it's important to recognize that, like, I, for example, I myself am a straight man, you know, and... So when it comes to my own identity, I don't have to think that hard about it, right? Mm -hmm. I can use it from, there's so many words that exist that can describe, that can describe me, right? Whether it's Latino, Tejano, you know, Mexican American, there's like, I have my choice, right? But that doesn't, that's not the case for everyone else. And, you know, like my decision to pick the name, you know, Latinx is a recognition that people who don't necessarily, you know, you know, fit in the, in the, you know, like have a, a binary view of gender, you know, yeah. like it's, I think it's an acknowledgement that they exist and that they, they are part of this group and their stories are worth telling. And, you know, as someone who doesn't have to do it, like, it feels like, well, if I can and I want to, then why should I should, right? So, um, but at the same time, I understand people really do not like the term, like, and, and I said, like I said, I understand, but it's not going to change my mind about it, you know, and like, I, I have, because the name is in my newsletter, I talk about the word a lot, um, and I, or I have. And my argument is this, like I do, I believe that people have the right to call themselves whatever that they like. And 
if you don't like the word cool, then don't use it. You know, simple as yeah. that. But but it's not that simple, right? Because if you look online, you know, and you see this, for example, during the great example is this Sunday, I think it was the Rams. It was the Rams Buccaneers football game, right? And, you know, we are in Hispanic Heritage Month now. So everybody's doing the big ad campaigns. And the NFL on Fox, like they're, they're, the graphics set Latinx month. And I knew immediately that people would be having such a, like would hate it so much that I did a cursory search on Twitter. And sure enough, it was so many people really mad about this word, you know? And, and I, I think it's important to understand or to really think critically as to why, what is it about it that makes them so mad, you know? Yeah. I think, um, I mean, we've talked about this. Uh, we talked about it in our first episode and we broke down Latinx. Um, but I read a few of your newsletters and um, I think instead of talking about why people hate it so much, I think we could focus more on why it's so important. And you broke it down in one of your newsletters and you talked about uh, el grito homofóbico and it kind of was, you, you talked about an eye-opening like situation and encounter that you had. And I, it really caught my attention and I think it's important for people to, to kind of know about it. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so this this um, the, so the 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 conversation that you're referring to is it was during the Gold Cup, um, I think it was 2019. Yeah, maybe at Pasadena. Um, it was Mexico versus Cuba, right? And obviously, the subject of the of the homophobic chant has been like you you can't really talk about you know the Mexican national soccer team without actually also bringing that in because yeah. it's it's a pro it's a problem, right? So when I was, I, I wanted, but what I wanted to do in that video, which, you know, and a credit to the LA Times that everybody that it was involved in the production of that video was Latinx, you know, uh, I, I think it's really cool that we could do that, but that's a, a different point. Like, so I went to this game and I wanted to talk to some fans, you know, so I, and I came across the, the supporter group, Pasio 1927. I think they're an LA based group. If, um, and in their conversations, you know, they like, they've told me that, they've come around on the term and more important it's more important to grow the game and just make this a safe environment for people who love the sport than it is to like say a chant that you know uh that offends people even if no one not everyone thinks it's offensive right so the story was um one of the leaders of Pasión 1927 was telling me that the moment he had a conversation with a member of the lgbtq community who expressed to this man, what the word, how it made them feel. That's like when he started changing his mind about it because it, it made him realize like, oh, it's not about me. You know, like it's, it's about us, right? So in that spirit, like, I think I had a very similar, you know, moment where I sort of realized where I was kind of ambivalent about the word again, because I've had, I have the privilege to talk, call myself whatever I'd like, you know, uh, because that exists. And yet that privilege doesn't exist to everyone. So like, I sort of saw it as a need to include as many as, I, I sort of saw this as an indication that this newsletter is for everyone, you know? Mm-hmm. And it is an acknowledgement that not everyone has the same experience. And as a result, we need to make room for those whose experiences differ from our own. I think that's great. And you, you said something uh, so cool when you said, it's not about me, it's about us. And I imagine like, um, you know, we, we began this, this podcast and thought about the ideas and, you know, we were like, Hey, no, we really gotta, you know, help people understand why Latinx. And just like you said, right. You, people can identify however they want. And, you know, that's up to you. Um, but if, imagine if more people had that mentality, right. It's not about me. It's about us. Like, I think it would just be something, uh, really, really cool. I think something that you touched on that newsletter was it's not necessarily something that's about us in the past it's where it's going in the future and latinx is definitely somewhere you know it's it's looking ahead it's that the x represents so many different things and and we broke it down so uh yeah well and i'm i'm so glad you mentioned that because you're right i i do think that there is something very futuristic about this tournament and it sounds futuristic know, right it does right <laughs> but what also what, what also like you know honestly when you think about the, the history of terms used to identify our community, right? There's been an evolution, right? The term Hispanic didn't yeah. really get full adoption until like the 60s or the 70s, right? And this was 
this was created out of like this there's like that term does not go back to yeah you know Spain you know it, it is it is a government term that was invented in the 70s right and there there's been pushback for that you know I know that the LA Times you know there was this this great columnist who who basically argued that the LA Times style guide should should go with the term Latino or Latina over Hispanic you know and this happened in the 80s so so there's always been a conversation about what we call ourselves and there's there's a misconception that this term was created or invented by you know white academics which isn't mm-hmm. true it's that's just an erasure of the people who have like created yep. it but you know the, the so i think it's great that you know we are now at a point where we are choosing to define ourselves what we're we're the ones who are actively you know deciding what we call ourselves and obviously not everyone is going to agree you know when you talk about you know, everybody points to the Pew study that only 3% of people use a term, like, that's fine, you know, like, that doesn't, that's still 3% of people, 3% of 60 million people, you know, 3% I mean? of people still matter. <laughs> yeah, 3% of 60 million people, <laughs> you know, and then there was another one by Gallup that that actually found that I think it was like 57% of people don't care, you know, no. which is, I think that sort of tracks with with my own personal experience. I mean, my dad is like, my dad is like very Mexican, traditional Mexican, you know, and, you know, like I love soccer because it's the only way that, you know, he, he can love me. I, I'm, I'm using that as a joke, obviously, but, but also not maybe, but, uh, <laughs> no, you know, he reads a newsletter and he like, doesn't even think twice about the work, you know? So it's like, like, again, if it's a non-starter, then I understand, you know, I wish you felt differently. But there's nothing I can do to convince you to, yeah, you know, like, like, I'm. My hope is that the content of the newsletter is good enough that that it will make someone who's adverse to the term be like, okay, well, maybe I hate the word, but this is for me, you know. But they, I also understand there's going to be a group of people that they see the word and it's like, nope, I, I don't want anything to do with it, and like, okay, well, I'm, I'm sorry to see that, but I understand. I feel like we were all there at one point. I'm not saying that we're now oh, okay, we're okay with it, but I, I I remember the first time I'm like, yeah, what? No, that that's not part of our language. And I think I mean, again, we discussed it, but um, again, it's it's interesting how people get so crazy and so bent out of shape for it. But we will see. Uh, and yeah, it's the Latinx files and and media key is you know it's it's almost in the same realm of giving the space. And I think this is where we're at. Look, we're going to keep using it. Hopefully you're still listening to us and uh, we're going to give the space out to people that are doing some really cool things and highlighting our, our, the community, which uh, brings us to the, our next topic that I wanted to talk to, which is about Hispanic Heritage Month. Uh, if our production and everything aligns, today is the last day uh, and you're listening to it. It's October 15th. It's the last day of Hispanic Heritage Month. And I wanted to ask you uh, both, Janelli, who um, I know personally as a player and as a friend, and we've done some pretty cool projects together uh, during this Hispanic Heritage Month. And also you, Fidel, who works uh, for a publication where I'm sure you're getting bombarded with stories and people knocking on your door that probably has never talked to you. But um, let's have a conversation of what is Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, and how do you feel about it as uh, someone in the Latinx community? Already, I don't like the name of it, but it's. I saw it this year that it's more people are saying Hispanic Latinx Heritage Month, right? Like I saw more pub- publications people saying it. But uh, Fidel, start you know kind of with you. With I'm sure when you were looking at May and and the months are coming up, you're like, oh, okay, September is coming between September and October. And personally, how do you feel about it? You know, I I have. Um complicated feelings about it right um because you know i I understand the history and the reasoning of why it exists Mm -hmm. right like it first started in 1968 right um and at first it was a week it was national hispanic week yeah it it was like a fashion week yeah exactly (laughs) it's like fashion but i mean i mean part of the reason why, why why it came to be is because you had like communities like the mexican american community in the southwest and then you had sort of like the puerto rican community in the in the east and they there was nothing to really unify them right to really provide them with like like if we sort of unite forces we'll be like a political power to reckon with right so that was sort of the impetus for it um and then in the 80s it, it expanded by a whole month you know 
And uh, I also feel hesitant to rag on it because one of my colleagues, Robert Lopez, was actually like an intern that helped get the signatures to make it into law. And like, like I've had conversations about him and like, it clearly means a lot to him and I understand why. And like the, 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 the reason, the philosophical reason behind this is it is important that people know the contributions that, you know, Latinos, Hispanics, Latinx people have made to this country and how we have been part of this country even before its inception, you know, mm-hmm. which is important to recognize, right? You, you that also gets a little trickier, right? Because it, 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 there has hints of the, you know, I didn't cross the border, the border crossed cross me, me, you know, mm-hmm. which I feel very uneasy about because it kind of like tries to seek legitimacy by like, well, I've been here forever. It's like, well, my family came in the nineties, eighties, you know? So like I, my family crossed the border, you know, like straight up, you know, and that's actually what account amounts for the majority of Latinos in this country now. It's like some of us are one or two generations removed from a different country, right? Um, that said, the way that it's used now, it's so, oh, it's like, it's made me so cynical, you know, I, I think, I think it's, and that cynicism comes from two different reasons. One is like, I think that, like I, I exist between, you know, October 16th <laughs> and September 14th, right? And the second one is that it's it's so clear that a lot of these campaigns are so poorly thought out and executed mm-hmm. that it's yeah. just like I would have preferred it if you called me a racial slur at this point. You know, I mean, obviously, I'm being True. exaggerated, but you know, it, it has it has the effect of like, oh, you just want my money. You know, you know, yeah. you don't really see my brownness. You see the green in my pocket, basically. You know, so that's sort of my my broader overview. Um, I will say though that I, it does seem like this year it might feel a little different. I just feel like people, especially online, and obviously Twitter is not the real world, but I feel like there's been a lot of subverting this for for memes, you know, and it's kind of been a weird form of reclaiming it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I don't know. That's those are those are my complicated feelings on on this I, this month long celebration. Yeah, I get what you're saying. How like you know we exist all year, right? We don't need just like this one month, um, to show that we're here. Uh, and I personally don't as a Mexican American, I don't need it, but I understand it's incept. I understand why it was started and I understand why people are so passionate about it, like a hundred percent. Um, and if you were to ask me, like, do I celebrate it? I don't really know what that means. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Like, um, like, do we, do I talk about it? Yes. Um, have I been asked to, you know, panels and for, uh, different things and speak about, you know, just my culture and my, my experience. And yeah. Um, but I, I don't think it's necessary. And just like you said something, right. Like Twitter isn't real life, but to some people it is like some people live through memes. Like they live for these memes. It's insane to me. Uh, but I don't think, um, you know, we should celebrate our, heritage all year like it should be an every an everyday thing like with just the way we we live our lives you know and like at the beginning you said something for that you said um your favorite thing about being latinx is that you, you know you feel like you're so adaptable and i think i'm sure that's something that you live every day you know it's something that our culture taught you and you use that it's part of who you are every day so that's the way that i see it right you are celebrating celebrating <laughs> whatever that means, you know, on a daily basis with your work ethic, with um, Latinx files, right? You're providing a platform for our people. So in a way, I think you are indirectly, um, like you using the word celebrating. Is there a better word for this? Can you guys help me out here? <laughs> no, I mean, it, 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 I, 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 <laughs> uh, no, I, I think, I think celebration is, yeah, I mean, it, it is right. I, I do think one of the objectives of the newsletter is, Hey, I want to celebrate our culture and, and just like, mm-hmm highlight how diverse and different and you know we are we are from one another but for some the reason there's something that unites us right so and yeah the nature of my job does make me think about it every day and you know and also on the weekends you know like I'm watching soccer I'm watching football and it's like I'm thinking about it unconsciously right so yeah it's it's all around me and and again I understand I understand I don't need reminders of my own heritage of my own culture but I also understand that I grew up in the border, right? Yeah. Where, so to your point, like that we, so there are, there are some people who, who find it very useful. And, and I do think it's really fascinating that 
some of the best examples where I've seen people make good use of the month is at the college level, right? Mm -hmm. Like I've written about the subject of Hispanic heritage on several occasions. And in my conversations, I've had, I've talked to students or professors and, and it all boils down to one point, right? Is for a lot of these kids, this is the first time that they're actually learning about their history. You know, yeah. it's not being taught in high school. You know, I mean, just, just, you know, for example, like, so the, the, the MacArthur Genius Foundation, right? Is like, oh, I'm sorry, let me rephrase it. The MacArthur Foundation gives out a fellowship, you know, every, every year, right? And it's called the, the MacArthur Genius Grant. You know, it's, it's sort of known as a genius fellowship. So like, if you get this, you're considered a genius, right? One of the recipients this year was this woman named Monica Munoz Martinez, whose project is called, one of whose many projects, one of them includes refusing to forget, right? And, and the whole notion is, hey, in South Texas, there was state-sponsored violence by the Texas Rangers, and they killed Mexicans and Mexican-Americans because they were Mexicans and Mexican-Americans that had land, right? And that whole history is very important, but it didn't exist, right? Like this, this was like, I didn't learn about this in high school. I didn't learn about where I'm from until like I left and like went to school and like read, read it in books, right? And in, in, in college books. And, you know, like when it comes to like Hispanic heritage, month, like I want that stuff to be at the forefront, right? I don't want like, like I want people to know that this is our history, you know, and it's important that we don't forget this because, yeah. you know, it, it happened and it's still playing out, right? I mean, like recently I wrote about the the border crisis, crisis in quotes, because it's not, it's a yeah, crisis. Yeah, it's not. But anyway, whatever. Um, there was that image of the border patrol agent in a horse, right? I mean, it captured everyone's attention. And to me, like, living having grown up where i did it made me think of the texas rangers right like there is a, co a connection between the texas rangers and some of the enforcement that border patrol does like there's there's you can connect those dots but the point being is that when it comes to hispanic heritage when they're lying next heritage when that's not what's discussed right it's like hey we made this cool little emoji that's like you know has a sombrero and maracas right hey yeah you know, <laughs> you know what i mean it's like so yeah, I, don't know. I, it's I do feel like we have come a long way from like the way I mean it, this the way that we are been like well, quotes right celebrated, um and looking over the years right it's like news agencies put on there oh it's Hispanic Heritage Month we're gonna put our sombrero on like now people are going don't do that and like. It, they're getting it, you know, at least you're starting to see either brands reach out and I work with brands and, and I work for a company that, you know, we value, we say, Hey, we know our the target audience because we are the target audience, you know? Um, and we're not going to sign on to something unless we really feel like we're doing, you know, we, we are really um, hammering that message and that correct message. I work with people like Amy Lopez, who is, is like my counterpart. And she goes, nah, people aren't going to, you know, no, this is, no women or the community or our people are, gonna, are not going to like that. You know, let's, we're not going to do that. And, and I'm proud to have to be a part of a company that does that. Um, so I feel like we have come a long way, but there's still a lot. And when, when, when someone asked me about Hispanic Heritage Month, you know, again, I'm from Arizona. I, I, I came here, I, Mexico, and then I left you know, at a young age and, and I came to the U.S. and um, Arizona is a very weird type of because we are in the Southwest. There's a lot of immigration, but it's like ruled by boomers and and, you know, and it's 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 and I'll say it, it's very Republican, although this year, this uh, last election, it wasn't. But it's 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 like it's not California. It, I've always when I went to California or Texas, it's like people are proud of being, you know, Latino, Latinx. People are proud of Mexican. And then people are be like, oh, cool. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I grew up with like, oh, you're Mexican. OK, so you, you know, your family is just as landscape, you know, a landscape. And it's like, oh, and you you weren't as proud to do that. So when Hispanic Heritage Month came for me, it was kind of like, that's so cool that people are learning about this, not just your normal, you know, Cinco de Mayo is, you know, Mexican Independence Day. Right. And it's like it took. How many years for people to finally realize that it's not? And there's still people that don't, but you know, the 16th of September, El Grito, and I, you know, even seeing a a local news channel with white cast talking about El Grito, I was like, that's 
I don't think I would have ever seen that 20 years ago. Like, who cares about that? Right. But it was kind of cool to see it. I get it. Uh, being it hammered on our throats, Hispanic Heritage Month. I feel like almost every one of those months in the year in the U.S., the people that, you know, if it's Black, uh, uh, African-American or, 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 or Black History Month, I feel like they feel the same way. It's like, why do we need a month? Or if it's, you know, the LGBTQ, right? If it's Pride Month uh, and Janelli, right? It's like, okay, we don't necessarily need a month. But at the same time, there is a reason of why people do it. Because if, if it doesn't happen, it literally never gets talked about then, right? Like it's just, unless now we're changing the demographics and people are being open to more ideas. But let's say 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, if we didn't have a month like this, you know, um, where else would, would people talk about the stories? So I get it. Absolutely true. No, you're absolutely right on that point. Yeah, and, and I get it in that sense. So at the end of this uh, uh, Hispanic Heritage Month, which I think I'm seeing more, like I said, more Latinx Hispanic Heritage Month, um, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing that, you know, we ask you as, as, as a listener to, you know, reach out to us, um, tag us if there are brands or if there are cool things that are happening in the month that you were like, yeah, this is really cool. And those that are weren't, because I definitely want to hear those horror stories of, of brands like, um, I'll say it, I think Kmart one came out like Namaste and they put Mamaste, right? It, instead of uh, for that, for Mother's Day. And you just kind of go like, wow, there's, there's, uh, there's brands out there don't, don't have anybody that's Latinx in there in, in their campaigns could have seen that. Or um, I remember another one where I wrote, and I won't mention this, but there were executives that wanted to get closer to a community of their fans. And it's like, well, what if we give some, some like trips to Mexico to, uh, as, as a giveaway? And we, and we, uh, we title it, you know, go back to Mexico as our, as our brand. Oh my God. No. Right. Oh. And, and it's like, I just sit- crawled out of my skin. <laughs> <laughs> you're sitting there. Can you imagine go back to Mexico with us? Like, like, you know, you, you kind of do that. So, um, uh, it's again, in, 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 this month, if you're out there and you're listening to us, it's like, have some people run it over the ideas, what you have, as much as you think that it's such a great idea, just run it over, you know, see what you're saying. Um, and Daniela, at the end of this month, um, you know, we, we have to find another way to celebrate it, but it's happy, happy Hispanic heritage month. And, and it, and it is what it is, right? Yeah. No, no, definitely. Let me, like, I, I'm glad it exists, right? It's necessary. But what I mean is like in an ideal world, we would be celebrated no matter what. Yeah. I think just to be more, clear, I think we right? will, but we don't live in an ideal world and, and we need, we need these specific months or days or whatever to have visibility about our people, about our communities, about our different communities. Um, but I guess like the way I see it is right in, in, the, in an ideal world in the future, right? We would all be loved and accepted and no matter who, where we're from or what we do or what our background is, right? So that's just the way that, that I see it. Um, but for now, yeah, fucking happy Hispanic Heritage Month. Like, that, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Until, until the day where you know, it's not needed. Yeah. Let's celebrate well, it. Well, well, Fidel, I mean, in your, uh, I mean, in your research, right. What 2040, I think, you know, it's like minorities will not be minorities and one out of every four of the, I think the grown population, it's like Latinx and Hispanics are just like overtaking it. So I think in like 40, 50 years, it'll be. Well, in, in the last, I, in the last 10 years, right. The new census report came out, right. It comes out every 10 years and one of the takeaways was that one that Latinos or Latinx folks were responsible for one out of every two people that were added to the population, you know, and, and what, what's makes me optimistic is that when you look down at the age demographic of mm-hmm. who is Hispanic or Latinx or Latino, whichever you prefer, um, 60% of those people are millennials or younger Gen X, yeah you know? and so we are younger than any other ethnic or racial group we are yeah we're younger you know so we quite literally are the future you know so to me and, and also one of the one of the things that has been really great in writing this newsletter is you know i try to interact with as many people as possible you know like young people and there's something 
very there's there's this level of optimism that the young people have oh yeah but that sure. it's not it's not like toxic positivity you know they they're aware that there are a lot of things that need to be fixed and they're ready to like own up to it you know and, and i just i think that's really wonderful and no one of the ideas of, of having is, is is this like having a discussion about you know populations and having a discussion about generations and this new gen x these kids are i i i the, if it's cousins that I have, it's, it's friends that I have, or uh, friends that have kids that I have that I talk to is, is man, they're, they don't, they're like, why are we doing this? Why do we need to do this? Wait, wait, why do I need a license at 16? You can just drive an Uber. And I'm like, when we were growing up, I'm like, Oh, I can't wait to get a license so I can leave. You know, why do I have to leave my parents' house? Like it's, 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 it's crazy. And I say that kidding, but um, you know, talking to a cousin, you know, about, let's say the term Latinx. Yeah. Like they, they had no reason to be like, yeah, why not? There's no problem with it, so it's it's kind of cool to see that. Um, before we we go, uh, Fidel, um, is there anything or any story or I don't want to say like your favorite because obviously you write all all of them, but is there one that just kind of like you would say you're most proud of from Latin Next Files? Yeah, I'd say there's like three of them that I'm really that I'm really proud and happy with, and the common. Th- theme of, of like between the three of them is that it was basically just turning it over to the audience right to mm-hmm. have their stories be told um the first one we did was uh um for noche buena you know we basically just asked people i asked on twitter was like hey you have a good noche buena story just send it over and we'll like i'll make a compilation of all this you know all these stories and you know it went from from some people using it as a, as a means to really connect with their culture and heritage. And then on the other spectrum, it was some people told stories where wild things happen, right? Where like my buddy Roberto had a, a story in which someone like his whole family was in Juarez and they went after like someone that was like throwing bottles at their car and they beat them up. And, and then it turns out that, that like a whole group came over like to where this dude li- lived because someone knew who he was. And then the next day he comes over is like, I deserve that beating, but someone stole my TV, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so like, that was like, and that wasn't a newsletter, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, so like, I recommend that you read that one. It's hilarious. My friend Roberto is just so funny. And then another one was, um, the, the, the newsletter really started happening. Like it launched during the COVID pandemic and several of the, of the editions have focused on, on COVID-19 and how it, Proportionally affected the Latinx community, right? On on all counts, from infections to economic, you know, damages that they incurred, either losing jobs or housing, from the line cutters. It was just bad all around for us, right? Um, and I knew like that a lot of people had lost someone who, to COVID, so I wanted to share space in the newsletter for people who had lost a loved one. And I asked them to like submit their own little blurbs about what they missed the most about this person with their photographs. So that felt really, it felt very rewarding to have people, give people the platform to, you know, to sort of grief publicly, right? When, when so much of the grief often feels very private, right? And then the, the, the third one is the Juan Gabriel tribute. You know, I, I, for that one, I, you know, went to this, drag bar in Boyle Heights, you know, that that a lot of like the drag queens were very much inspired by Juan Gabriel. I spoke with, you know, um, I told a personal story, like my own personal narrative, like my, why, 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 um, Abrazame Muy Fuerte is my favorite Juan Gabriel song, what it means to me and my family. And then I asked coworkers and friends to like pick a song and we made a playlist together, you know? And mm-hmm. so, so that was one in which a lot of people helped him to make it what it was. So I always like I always like newsletters like that where it's it really is other people just like, hey, we have different experiences, but it's we're all united by this one thing, you know. So yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, that last part you said is really cool, right? Like we all have different experiences, but um, I mean, at the end of the day, for anybody listening, I'm you know, if you're going through something difficult. Like we, we want you to feel like you belong. And it seems like that's what Latinx files is doing, right? You're helping people feel like they belong. And that in itself is such a powerful thing. 
So I think uh, what you're doing there is something really cool. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, I would say the same thing about you guys. I mean, I think when Lisa was telling me about this project, it, it sounded so cool. And I definitely wanted to, you know, particip participate and help in any way in which I could. So, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately it, it's, it's, it's kind of an exciting time, right? Because it does feel like we're at a moment where, you know, I, like one of the things that I really pride myself in with a newsletter is that, I'm not writing about the community, I'm writing for the community, you know, which is a difference, right? When you're explaining like something to like, you know, like my, like my newsletter is like the way in which I write it is the way in which I talk, you know, and that includes mm -hmm. some cultural references. And I, I'm basically operating under the principle that these people might get no. it. And if not, that's okay too, you know? Yeah. Um, that's okay. Like you're still part of this, you're, we're still welcoming you to the fold, so. Yeah, so yeah I, I think I think it's more than anything is like the thing that I stress is my experience is my own, you know, and there's going to be a lot of things that bind us together. But just because like one of the things that really irks me about the and not to drag this topic back up, but it's like about the Latinx discourse is, well, I don't know anyone that uses it. So therefore it's it's not real it's like oh well you know every 60 million latinos or latinx people here you know that's a, like there's 60 million of us you know there's yeah. so many of us and i mean right right here right we have a mexican from arizona one from texas and one from california and there's so many things that bind us together right like our love of the mexican national team but you know there are cultural differences i mean and, and that has to do with like migration patterns right like in Arizona, you have a lot of people like Sonorenses, right? People from Sonora, you know, who, who move there. Here in, in California, you have a lot of people from like Sinaloa, you know, Baja California, you know, and whereas in Texas, you have people from Nuevo Leon, you know, Tamaulipas, like those are different places. Yeah. And when they move, when people migrate from those their places, they bring their own customs, which might vary differently from one place to the other, you know? So we, we are- Oh, so I see that all the time. Other, you know, I see it all the time between. Yeah, I see it all the time between. Before, like, I'm in the middle between the California and Texas. Like, I'm more Mexican than you are. Debate that's always out there. Yeah. <laughs> Our food's better. No, you haven't. And I'm just like, chill, guys. It's like, it's okay. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, it's it's okay. You know, that's okay. Like, you you can have opinions and and, but no one is the authority on what being Latin or Latinos. Yeah. Know? Straight up, <laughs> you know, and anyone yeah. who's trying, and anyone who's trying to claim that they are, they're, they, you shouldn't trust them. No. I, I think it's perfect. I agree with you. <laughs> I think it's perfect. And for those that, you know, are listening to us, you know, and I know that we are heavily, you know, favoring, not favoring, but we know we talk a lot about the Mexican influence, but uh, I, I, we want to definitely give those the space out for those that are not. There's our Central American, South American, and, you know, now knowing Latinx term, the people, some people that uh, in the Caribbean that identify as Latinx, right, is finding those spaces too. Um, and well, what's all, interesting too, is that we're all like, you know, one of the most, sorry to cut you off, but one of the things that's really fascinating is that uh, there's a lot like we are several generations in and there's a lot like my sister is mexican but she's married to a venezuelan man right so if and when they have kids how are those kids going to identify you know venezuelan mexican i like a term like latinx does a better job at sort of encapsulating exactly. their identity you know so and that's where everybody's going through you know like having the kids and everybody's the mixing and and i think that's that's obviously the term because there's going to be different. And I think we interviewed uh, Sarah, who is Puerto Rican, Middle Eastern, um, and is one in the United States. Like, you know, it's, 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 there's so much as far as our, that multiculturalism. So you're completely right. Uh, Fidel, thank you for taking the time um, to, to come and talk to us again. Um, Latinx Files, the LA Times, it's a newsletter. You can subscribe. The Probably the easiest way to get to it is with Twitter right uh your link is is there and um you can get it in your inbox every thursday i look forward to it and um, i know you do a lot of work for it and a lot of research for it and the cool thing about it is that um you 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 let the people that know you know or you, you i mean let me rephrase this it's like you're asking for people for those stories and i love that it's not like here i wrote it this is what i think but most of it comes i love the quotes 
where it's like, hey, I asked this person about it and this is what they told me. How crazy or how different uh, or different opinions it is, you give them that space. And I feel like that's where we come together where it's like, here's a space. Maybe I might not agree with you, but the space is there, especially in Latinx um, that's there. So um, definitely subscribe. And uh, I was thinking about this because um, I finally got to meet you in, in L.A. in a soccer. I was like, how are we all connected? And I realized that uh, Janelli played uh, professional soccer with Jen Munoz, who played in a match with me and you on a Sunday. So we've all played somehow are connected <laughs> in, uh, in. So you play soccer? I played <laughs> I played a little I'm bit. I'm giving you a hard time. I played too. a little bit. <laughs> not, 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 not any professional level, but you know, Fidel uh, got a chance to see my skills and actually he completely obliterated me. He's a great defender. So he's just a tall well, guy. It's so funny because, uh, yeah, I, I'm Paul. He's freaking tall. Know, it's, it's funny because, you know, my dad, my dad played in a rec league, right? Growing up. And, and like, that's one of the things I've always found. Out, Whose you know, dad like, didn't? I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. But he would always take me, like, because I was the oldest, which, you know, it kind of speaks. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get into that. But you know, and 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 I was like, why do you play defense? That's so boring, you know. And so, so when, I used to think the same. And then I got there, you know, and like it was so funny because when when that scrimmage started, everybody was like running really fast and going at 100, percent you know, and, and myself included, right? Because I was like, I've picked up running during the pandemic. So I was like, yeah, I, I've got good conditioning. No, I did not. And it was like, <laughs> so so I was just like, you know what? I'm going to lay back here and my only job is you can't get past me. And that's it. You know? So I was talking to my dad. I was like, dad, I finally got you. You know, it's like, why you play defense? He was like, yep. He's like, no, me dijo, you know, he was saying. That's your reason. Why? Why you play defense? I'm the first attacker. I'm a center back. I'm the I'm the first line line of offense. This is this is the difference between us uh normal folk when we talk to a real professional player. Be then we we play defense just because we're in the back. She uses it as a first attacker. All right. Again, Fidel, thank you again for for joining us. Um, thank you to all that've been listening. Uh, and uh, you can find this podcast uh, now on Apple Podcasts and also on, on your favorite podcasting forms because I think there's a lot of out there, Spotify and all. Let us know. Give us a review, what you're thinking of it. Um, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. So, Janelli, thanks again. Yeah, Fidel, Fidel, thanks for, for coming on. And thank you for just the platform. I'm pretty sure our community greatly appreciates it. No, all right. thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me. And like I said, I think this... I love the idea behind this podcast and I, you know, look forward to listening to more episodes. Okay. Well, this has been episode three with Fidel Martinez, the LA Times, and uh, hasta la próxima.